Chicken, chicken Missile! Greetings, program. You are listening to Chicken Missile. Every other week, we gather to discuss one of a random set of topics inspired by a letter of the alphabet, guaranteed to garner grins and general gaiety, if only for an hour or so. Today's gang of geeky gamers include me, I'm Charles, your host. We have Kat. Hello. Carrington. Hello. Mark. Hello. Ken. Hi. And Earl. Present. Today, our discussion topic is brought to you by the letter G, and G is for games. Uh, we play games of all sorts. I generally figure most of you guys have, have played games or uh, enjoy games, mostly electronic, computer arcade console type stuff, uh, but there's all kinds of games. Um, and even if you don't consider yourself a gamer, uh, or like me, even if you're not usually any good at them, you still play. Um, but what makes a good game? What makes a good game good? Uh, what makes it a classic? Um, what would condemn it to the next you know, rummage sale in the 50 cents bin? Uh, we will begin with a game. Ooh. Ooh. This game that we're going to play is sometimes referred to as This, That, or The Other. Today, I will be calling it, Is That a Pokemon? Oh, no! <laughs> oh, no. Pokemon or not. Oh, no. Now, are we going to be doing the original 150, or are we going to be doing the entirety history of Pokemon? I, I know a Pokemon. Please allow me to explain the rules. I will give you the name of a species of some kind of creature. It is either a Pokemon, a monster from Dungeons and Dragons, or a real Australian marsupial. So is everyone clear? It's The answer will be either Pokemon, Dungeons and Dragons, or marsupial. I'm clear that I'm going to lose this game. <laughs> oh no, I'm going to lose this game so hard. That's why I, the only Pokemon I know are the original 150. That's why I asked. I don't know anything about any of those three categories, so you're well. Then you're equally you're you're on equal footing. Then I've played a bunch of D and D, so maybe. if oh, zero yeah, can yeah. be considered a footing, then yes, mm -hmm. yes. Well, you're. It's not like you're an expert in Australian mammals and have no idea what you're talking about life. with Pokemon. So you're equally equally ignorant of all three. Technically, you only have to be an expert in two of them to rock this game. Right. I'm definitely going to put point. that on my resume. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, Kat. Okay. Um, and uh, disclaimer, I don't know how to pronounce a lot of these words, so I'm just doing my best. If, if you, you say need... it with an Australian accent, it'll give us a hint. Yeah. Uh, if you need spelling, I can give you spelling, but I cannot confirm the actual pronunciation of a lot of these. Okay. So, Cat, uh, your word is coltar. Okay, that totally sounds like a Pokemon because I can hear it, Coltar, 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 <laughs> because they all just, that's, uh, but is it, because that all, but that also totally sounds like it'd be something from D&D. &D. And like, so, like. D does he like throw nicotine at his enemies? Coltar, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> oh gosh, no, I, I was thinking K-O-L-T-A-R. I didn't even it's, think about that. Uh, it is spelled K-U-L-T-A-R-R, -R, and I okay, need your answer. Okay, that's, uh, 
I would say D and D because most of the Pokemon are really more phonetically spelled. Incorrect. That is a marsupial. Okay. Mark. Kaluta. Uh, definitely a Pokemon. <laughs> Incorrect. Also a marsupial. <laughs> Seems to be all marsupials. Carrington. Okay, hit me. Donphan. Don't say marsupial. Onfan. I'm going to guess it's a Pokemon. Correct, it is so, a Pokemon. Yeah, that was, I knew that was a Pokemon. I can see, you're not going to hit three hours. I've never heard of it, so it's probably not D&D. Oh, rocking it. Pretty sure that's a What's, cam website. So how was it spelled? D-O-N-P-H-A-N. <laughs> Didn't even hear the D. I'm thinking it was Onfan, so I think I got lucky. Not no no it's different uh, Mark I know what you're thinking it is not an OnlyFans no you don't Dawn fan <laughs> <laughs> all right Ken Lamia may I get the spelling uh, Lamia L A M I A may I get the etymology no <laughs> could I get it in a sentence no. I was this isn't the spelling walking in Australia once when. <laughs> well, my experience has certainly not prepared me for this then. I'm going to go with Pokemon. Incorrect. That is a Dungeons and Dragons, Dragons. monster. Yeah. Earl. Uh, the funny thing is, I don't know that from Dungeons and Dragons. It I know it from mythology. Shows up in, but it, uh, Lamia also always shows up in like Final Fantasy, and there's a couple of Lamia uh, guns in Destiny. So I'm like, I know that's, that's like old school RPG. Well. Yeah, there are a lot of monsters in Dungeons & Dragons that are essentially a mythological creature, you know, a type of demon or whatever mentioned by Dante. So um, so where are we? Earl? Earl. Corsola. 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 Going with marsupial. That is incorrect. That is a Pokemon. Interesting. So question, not mm-hmm. a D&D player. Is there an official compendium of D&D creatures or some sort of database that you would draw from? Uh, I used the um, RPG Museum website. So if you go look online for rpgmuseum.fandom.com, uh, they have pages for all of the different monsters and yes. different generations of you know monster manual and things like that. I, I can't imagine that, you know, the sort of people who play D&D wouldn't obsessively collect information about literally everything. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean there's there's Oh yeah, no, there's so and well, there's multiple there. generations of like the original uh edition from like 1974 only had, you know, a handful of, you know, different types of characters and that kind of thing. So and then it's just it keeps building up and now we're on the you know the fifth edition of dungeons the and dragons i remember and, yeah. the monsters manuals like mm-hmm. two huge binders so, oh yeah yeah those were monstrous compendiums and i'm okay. pretty sure i had an apple II version of that it was like an officially oh. licensed floppy disk that was essentially just a database with all their stats and stuff. like the oh, monster manual cool on disk that'd be great yeah i even used the right word compendium mm-hmm. wow yeah. i'm it is the monstrous on back. or was it a monstrous manual Monsters Manual was the was the was the bound one because I almost bought one at a garage sale and I didn't. All right, so uh, after round one, Carrington has a point. Better than I've done in any previous episode. Cat, <laughs> you're up next. Okay. Uh, Sahuagin. Sahuagin. 
Oh, that is uh, D&D. Correct. Again, also shows up in Final Fantasy. Mark, a Bullywug. Definitely a Pokemon. Sorry, that's Dungeons and Dragons. I like how you're always so confident, though. <laughs> it always counts if it's confident. Uh, I, I know zero about any of these things, so I'm being like Captain Picard and just mm-hmm. confidently <laughs> striding into the wrong direction. One in three chance. Do you know Captain Picard? <laughs> don't, don't you remember this episode where like he and the he and the doctor that he ends up marrying um, get stranded on a planet? Oh, and where they have with they have like to telepathic be... abilities yes, to each that other. Such, that was such a good episode. And and he she's like, well, where are we going next? And he th- looks around and looks at his little thing and says, this way. And she's like, wait. You don't know. You're just you're just making it up as you go along. Do you do this often? I've forgotten that. Yes. That was, you know, they spent the whole episode bickering like a married couple. And then later they got married. Exactly. Such a great That timeline never happened. Yeah, they never did actually Spoil get sport. married. Shut up, Ken. Shut up. <laughs> Spoilers. So where were we? Uh oh, Carrington. Marooned on a planet together. What is a Kawari? That has a super Australian sounding name to it. But I think you're trying to fool me. I think you're trying to fool me into thinking you're trying to fool me. As Charles is all the way down. So I'm going to say Australian marsupial. Inconceivable. Correct. Oh. Oh, nicely reasoned. (laughs) I read your game, mister. (laughs) Ken. Ramoras. Ramoras. Oh, that's an Australian. Uh, no, I'm sorry. That is a Dungeons and Dragons monster. And that was my second choice. <laughs> my third choice would have been Pokemon. <laughs> How'd you know? And Earl, what is a Mudkip? I believe that is a Pokemon. You are correct. That is a Pokemon. Yeah, I was like, I know that one. <laughs> so, Cat and Earl are on the board for this round. Next up, uh, Cat. What is a planigale? P-L-A-N-A-G-A-I-L. Uh, P-L-A-N-I-G-A-L-E. Okay. Um, just because I haven't had one yet, I'm going to go with Australian. Correct. I totally would have gone Pokemon on that. Mark, what is a Dratini? Definitely a marsupial. I'm sorry, that is a Pokemon. I was going to say, that sounds like a drink. <laughs> it does. Carrington, Mulgara. <sighs> Mulgara. That sounds super D&D, right? Like a, like a demon-y type thing, but I don't know it. So you're trying to fool me, so it's a Pokemon. <laughs> sorry, it's a marsupial. <laughs> oh, come on. How many marsupials are there? <laughs> in Australia, you would probably think you'd be surprised. Like, there are so many. Well, there are several hundred Pokemon at this point. There's like yeah. 800 or some odd Pokemon at this point. That's why uh, I asked, you know, are we, which, which set are we doing? Yeah. I have nearly as many marsupials and Dungeons and Dragons monsters as there are Pokemon. So there's, wow. there's quite a few. Uh, so that was the Mulgara. Ken? What is a Tangela? 
May I get the spelling, please? Uh, T-A-N-G-E-L-A. Tangela. That's an orange. Right, so it must be a <laughs> Pokemon. Like a Sorry, Ken? Must be a Pokemon. Pokemon, correct. Nice. Earl. He is. Qual. Q-U-O-L-L. Qual. Sounds D&D to me. I'm sorry, that is a marsupial. Wow. I apologize to our Australian listeners. <laughs> that we know none of your... I know don't. You have too many fauna. marsupials. <laughs> we know none of your native there. fauna. We are all from the wrong side of the globe. I don't even know if that's offensive to Australians. Like, sorry we don't know about any of your kangaroos. <laughs> it sounds like it could be unintentionally offensive. We don't know the names of your... Uh, of your native marsupials. Oh well, that one's uh, that one's uh, Blake. Uh, this one over here is Dave. Um, <laughs> now that's going to be offensive. That 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 fake accent is definitely offensive. Yes. It it offends my sensibilities. <laughs> no. I was talking to my friend Dan in Australia and saying how like the rest of the world doesn't understand how you people can live there because everything's so poisonous. There's spiders and snakes everywhere. He goes, they're not that bad. And you're a Canadian. You have megafauna. You go for a hike, a bear will eat you. A mountain lion will eat you. <laughs> like, you have there's, moose. there's cougars. There's giant things that eat humans. <laughs> like, oh, yeah. Well, we just, we just ignore those. We're afraid of the spiders. Let alone a whiteout or you know, a sudden blizzard and you literally could freeze to death between your car and your house. I mean, that, that sort most of, of our folk, most Canadian folktales end in, and then the, the, the land ate him. Like it's, it's yes. always just, <laughs> they're subsumed into the land. Canadian folktales, all of them. Yeah, falling into a crevasse in the Arctic wilderness. There are worse ways to go, I guess. I think crevasse is a Pokemon. And, no. and then singing Stan Rogers and then getting uh, rescued by their uh, friend who lives on the ice sheet. No, I haven't been watching Due South. Why do you ask? I don't I don't know that show. It's from the 90s. Oh. Uh, Canadian Mountie in Chicago. Oh, uh, okay. Okay. No spoilers. Uh, oh, no. It's good. You should watch it. <laughs> yeah. Paul Gross. Yes. He's good. So good. A Canadian treasure. Yes. Paul Gross sings Stan Rogers. It is the most beautiful thing ever. Don't know either of those names, so I'm sure it is. They're Canadian. I imagine. See, I, I should be a Canadian. Everyone should be a Canadian. We do want to welcome you all. Just not right now. Not right now. Not at the moment. All right. So, Kat, your turn again. All right. Beldum. Beldum? B-E-L-D-U-M. Pokemon. Beldum. Pokemon is correct. Oh, nice. Uh, Mark? Was that because that's one you knew or just sounded like one? Uh, I think I knew that one. That is apparently a Generation 3 Pokemon. Remember, I hang, I've been around children an awful, awful lot. Awful, awful lot of children. Yeah. <laughs> See, I say that and then the police show up at my house. Is an awful the collective noun for children? <laughs> yes. An awful of children. Okay. Uh, Mark, uh, your guess for Dunart. Dunart. D-U-N-N-A-R-T. Definitely a D&D dragon demon thing. Or a dungeon. That is a marsupial. The Dunart is a marsupial. I am shooting for the moon here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Uh, Carrington? What do you got? Macrotus or Macrotus. M-A-C-R-O-T-I-S. I had that once. I don't know that spelling it is actually helpful. Well, if you're if you're thinking, oh, that's pronounced macrotus, then uh, oh, then I would somehow know it, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, it sounds like an anime. Um, oh, that's is there like a fourth category? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's macros, right. I haven't gotten to the anime titles yet. Okay, that'll be a different this, that, or the other. Macrotus, macrotus. Boy, that sounds D and D like. I still think you're trying to fool all of us. So because of that, I'm going to say uh, Australian marsupial thingy. That is correct. Yeah. You're playing the metagame very well today. <laughs> I've been playing or, the metagame uh, since we started this whole operation. <laughs> all right. Ken, dugong. Well, I'm going to go with the alliteration and say dugong is from Dungeons and Dragons. Incorrect. Dugong is a Pokemon. There is an actual animal called a dugong, which is native to Australia, but it is not a marsupial. Oh, oh. nice. Yeah. Uh, it's also spelled differently. The dugong in Pokemon is D-E-W-G-O-N-G, dugong. And wrapping up this round, Earl Wurmple, W-U-R-M-P-L-E, Wurmple. I mean... That sounds like a Pokemon, but I'm thinking then it's probably a marsupial. But I'm going with Pokemon. Pokemon is correct. Woohoo! Woohoo! I like your thinking. Yeah. All right. So, um, last round. And just to make it interesting, let's double the points. Oh, jeez. So, cat. No pressure. <laughs> okay, but double of zero is still zero, right? Let's, uh, let's... Tally up the scores. Cat currently has three points. Carrington also with three. Earl has two. Ken has one. And Mark is on my spreadsheet as well. <laughs> Mark also participated. <laughs> All right, Cat, for uh, final round, Etten. E T T I N. That is absolutely D D because it's also an Ultima. All right. Etten uh, is a Dungeons and Dragons. It's uh, a genie or gin. Yeah, they're in type. Ultima. You know how many of them I've killed? That's like the first one you've said that I've actually known. <laughs> uh, Mark Thylacine. Definitely a Pokemon. Sorry, that is an extinct marsupial wolf. That seems slightly unfair, but I would have gotten it wrong anyway. <laughs> Carrington. Yes. Sturge. I've been called worse. <laughs> Sturge. S-T-I-R-G-E. Sturge. Again, the spelling, not a thing. Sturge, Sturge, Sturge. Doesn't sound Pokemon-y. So, Dungeons and Dragons. It's an obscure one I don't know. It's D&D. Correct. That is a Sturge is Yo. from Dungeons and Dragons. It's like That's a giant a mosquito. Yes, uh, it's like a four-winged... I think I've been attacked Bat-like by those mosquito type things. Sucks your blood. Yes. I guess I just didn't so. know what they were called. Yeah, I totally was in a party that got attacked by swarms of those. Okay, now I know. All right, Ken, uh, Coatl. Spell that, please. C O U A T L. Coatl. Uh, I believe that is a winged snake from Dungeons and Dragons. Correct. 
And finally, Earl. What is a numbat? <laughs> Other hmm. than me. <laughs> well, it's mathematically impossible for me to win, so I'm going with Bakugan. I'm sorry? <laughs> no. no, it's uh, one bat. It should be five points if you got it right. <laughs> I'm thinking D&D. So the numbat is a marsupial. Similar to wombat, uh, the name is derived from the Aboriginal language and means basically small marsupial. All right, so to tally up, we have, looks like Cat is our winner with one, two, three, five points. Nicely done. Carrington actually has tied for first with five points as well. Woo, Nicely done, me. Ken has three, Earl with two, and Mark also played. So excellent job all around, except for you, Mark. <laughs> you were poised oh. for that comeback, Mark. I was rooting for you, man. Mm. Yeah, the ones I knew, I'm like, I can send it down to him. <laughs> <laughs> he threw the power that did not work. <laughs> we are not telepathically linked. <laughs> I thought Zoom had that now in the newest version. The telepathic link. Chat. Yeah, you have to have. Uh, yeah, you have it's to. It's only on version. iOS. Yeah, and and a, and a fast <laughs> connection. So um, the ones that I found uh, particularly fun. Uh, what is the group guess on a Dibbler? D i b b l e r. Dibbler. I think it's a Pokemon. Oh, that sounds super Australian to me. Yeah, Dibbler. I'm with Carrington. Only if he says it in the Australian accent. Right. Without that, then it doesn't sound Australian. Yeah. Oh, it's a Pikachu. No, uh, the Dibbler is a marsupial. Okay. I'm thinking of Diglett. Now we're all thinking of Diglett. Why do I know this stuff? That was entertaining. I hope uh, it expanded your horizons just slightly um, for various creatures. And To get to our actual discussion topic, my main question for you guys is what, in your opinion... Uh, makes a good game and not even restricted to computer games or arcade games, but even things like why is Monopoly still being manufactured? You know, a because board game. Because people still been... buy it. For Inexplicably, people still buy it. Well, it's... Monopoly is not a good game. It's because well, people don't know Some better. people seem to think it is. I was going to say replayability. Hmm? Okay. Agreed. Like, if I buy some, especially with, like, I, I mean, it's even, there are some really expensive board games out there, and if I spend that kind of money, I want to be able to play it and enjoy it more than once. Mm -hmm. Just just to clarify, are we speaking specifically of board games right now? No, I'm, I'm uh, it's it's open across across the board. I just use board games as an, as an example, like, why 80 years on or whatever it is, is Monopoly still being made when it's a... It, you look at the concept, it's, you know, you're buying and selling real estate in Atlantic City and there's little tiny tokens and like you have to keep up with money and do math and stuff as on paper, it doesn't seem like it's, it doesn't seem like it would have lasted as long as it has. Well, the most recent versions actually give you like a credit card and now you do a lot of it electronically. Yeah, I mean... You Video games are expensive, but there's some, like, you know, a copy of Settlers of Catan is not cheap. 
So if I'm going to spend money, I want to be able to, you know, I don't want to figure out the strategy and be able to dominate my friends after the first time I played it. Okay. I would say for board games, replayability, I absolutely agree. Uh, it differs for video games because there are some very good video games that I sunk anywhere from 20 to 150 hours into. And I, I treasure those experiences. They're some of the best games I've ever played, and I don't ever want to go back to them because they are so all-consuming. I want that one-time trip to be engaging and memorable, and that's enough for me. Kind of like I don't tend to reread books. And I can recommend some great books to you, mm-hmm. but I only read them once. So rereadability is not a thing for me either. What about other types of games, like like a playground games like Foursquare and things like that, where it's more physically, I suppose, physically demanding than uh, playing a board game. But um, is there a reason why some of those are classics that are still played on, you know, playgrounds everywhere once people can actually go back to playgrounds versus rolling the hoop or whatever, you know, the kids in Victorian days did with, you know, a stick and a hoop? For me, for physical games, the appeal is knowing that I have a chance to win. You know, So I'm not going to play football, for example, because that game is not weighted toward people with my build. But anybody asks me to go bowling or play a round of miniature golf, I am down. I don't go outside in the room, the big room with the blue ceiling. <laughs> so Ken, is it that you don't like team sports? Or you don't just don't like uh, like physical impact sort of get your get your head knocked around kind of sports. Well, that's an interesting distinction. I hadn't thought of it that way. I'm in general not a huge fan of like competitive athletics. For example, I love to go cycling and I love to see how far I can go in a single ride. My record so far is a century, a hundred miles. But I will. I've never done a bicycle race. You know, I I will ride with hundreds of other people toward the same goal. But I don't care about how fast we get there. I think maybe we should maybe we should draw a line somewhere between games and sports. I was wondering about that when I filled yeah, out the like survey. Yeah, because like sports are, I mean, like that's one of my yeah. One, that's occasionally one of my gripes with professional sports is why are we playing these paying these people so much money to play children's games? I don't know. Is there is there a point where it you know like if something becomes something you can do professionally, it becomes a sport and it's no longer a game that you can play? I don't know. I mean, tennis is a professional sport mm-hmm. and I was never in danger of being a tennis professional, but I love going out and playing a game of tennis. And one of the things that I like about that particular game is it's a combination of using your head and using some level of athletic ability. I like sports or games that combine multiple elements. Like with board games, I was thinking I like things that combine a certain amount of thinking and strategy with a certain amount of luck. With sports, Mm -hmm. I like things that combine a certain amount of athletics with also some strategy and, you know, kind of the head game. Yeah. So it's not simply a matter of who's the strongest and who's the fastest. It's you have to be strong and fast and also good at strategy or have a you know a competitive game plan that you know makes your you know uh gives you an advantage over someone who might be faster or stronger or mm-hmm. have better equipment or what have you so the traditional olympic sports 
how far can you jump? How far can you run? How much can you lift? Those are just like, who is the best at a thing? Yeah. You can't like outsmart your weightlifting component or opponent, but hockey or baseball or whatever would be more strategy oriented. I say this as a guy who doesn't really play sports anymore, but as a kid, I play tons and I still watch hockey because you oh, know, I love Canadian. hockey and that's why mm-hmm. it's, there's so much going on. When it comes to board games, to circle back to that, I don't know that I think there is a particular element or group of elements that I think goes into making something popular other than to make it more generally popular. Like I like games that are replayable if it's the kind of game I want to replay, but there's some board games that are like the Sherlock Holmes game or some choose your own adventure game type things that are just the journey. It's a single player thing. It's one time through and you're done and that's super fun and I can still like it. Same thing with video games. If it's a, if it's an online competitive thing, then I want to come back and play it because I'm playing with my friends. If I'm playing for the story and what the single player thing and I might not go through it again or maybe I will or I don't know. Monopoly's popular I think because it was popular. You want to sit down and play a game with your family? Well, at least your grandparents know this one. So it just yeah, gets that first mover advantage. Whereas mm-hmm. if Monopoly came out today, I think there's no way it would get traction because oh my gosh what are you kidding me not a chance so it just is it's old so i think that's an advantage same thing i got going for me i don't know <laughs> like when, um the type of games i like are just like for me if a game came out when i'm 15 it's probably a really great game because it came out <laughs> when i was 15 and therefore awesome but um so I, i'll have nostalgia for it um, but modern games, I'm now into more complicated things. My my gal and I will sit down and play super complicated German board game things that I didn't like when I was young. I, I don't even know if they were around, but now I like them. And so that's appealing to me. It doesn't mean they're going to be good for everybody. I don't know. It's hard to pin down. It's such a broad topic. Mm-hmm. It's hard to think like what makes what makes the sports popular. And it's hard to, I think, maybe apply the same reasoning to football as you would to weightlifting. But I think you made a good point about luck, though. I mean, one of if you ask me what made a bad game, especially board game, it's if it's all based on luck. Mm. Yeah. Like, uh, you know, I used to, I had, I, you know, uh, Munchkin can be so luck based. It's, you know, you, you, the person who wins is the person who has the right card when everybody else runs out of target player does not win this card round win this round cards so like games like that where it's all up to you know where there's not a lot of strategy those are the ones i definitely do not like Candyland, yeah Candyland, yeah Candyland archetype of that mm-hmm. yeah but the point of Candyland was not to be the winner the point was to teach very young kids the skills of like waiting your turn and you know, picking a card and, you know, not toppling over the board and, you know, whatever. Like, it 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 fulfills its goals without a single bit, like, there's zero strategy. It is absolutely set who's going to win. And you could figure it out if you looked at the pile of cards, who's going to win, because there's, there's zero randomness. The same can kind of be said of tic-tac-toe. It's got strategy and randomness. If you're a kid, but if any of us played, it's going to be a draw. Oh yeah, Every we know because we know the mm. we know the we we know the how to how we know the how to game the system. I can't talk. Mm. Uh, well, it's a good thing this is an audio podcast, cat. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean you're you're right in the sense that like tic tac toe has been you know completely uh, I, I don't know what the word is, but it's it's been completely researched. Like it's been exhaustive 
we know what the outcome is of every single possible game broken of tic-tac-toe <laughs> um as opposed to something like go or chess uh you know where we literally like we know that we're like not even one percent into solving go for for good you know like we don't we have not seen all of the Go games. We cannot even enumerate all of the Go games. Um, the 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 Deep Mind uh, Alpha Go player uh, AI player that came up came on the scene a couple of years ago surprised Go grandmasters with moves that it came up with and games that it played. Like at, at a very fundamental level uh the game is still surprising even having been studied for millennia that's a good game yes that's an extreme example but like that's that's a good game partly because it's so complex chess and go and um a number of other games where you you can't you can't predict what you know how a game is going to go um or you can't you know hold in your head all the possible like tic-tac-toe solutions. Um, but at the same time, there are games like uh, rock, paper, scissors that are probably even more simple than tic-tac-toe. And yet it's not like you can, you know, solve for rock, paper, scissors or, or the slightly more complicated rock, paper, scissors, lizard, Spock. Because uh, if you play it, Completely. I mean, if you play rock paper scissors completely random, like roll a die and and play what the the die tells you, there are players that are somehow playing with a strategy in mind and will beat you. I don't know how, but it's you know it's one of those things that there are you know rock paper scissors world champions that have some kind of strategy to it and they consistently win. Is that a thing? Like it is a thing. World competitions in rock, paper, that scissors? Is absolutely that is a thing. absolutely a thing. Mm-hmm. Wow. There are world competitions in basically everything. Yeah, I was <laughs> about to say, if you, can, if you can say, I'm better than you at this and challenge people to it, there is a world champion of it and there's a tournament every year and you know trophies awarded and, and things like that. Whether it's, I mean, there's, there's a world champion thumb wrestler. Mm-hmm. World champion, uh, tug of war, mm-hmm. uh, international tug of war champions, and anything that you can, anything you can compete in and have a you know declare someone a, a winner. There's probably a professional circuit, and you can play for money. I'm just thinking of flipping through channels and coming across a, a rock paper scissors tournament. So, I, it, well, anyway, flipping. I, I, yeah, I think I would keep flipping by. Be like you'd have the announcers talking in low tones, like. James has gone rock twice in a row. What's he going to do this time? Yeah, yeah. I mean, th- that's the kind of strategy. That's probably what it is. I've, wa- mm-hmm. I've uh, watched uh, competitive Magic the Gathering uh, someday when we can, you know, have paper magic events again. And that is exactly, you know, oh, wow, what a top deck. That's yeah, that's going <laughs> to win, you know, that's going to win them the game if they play this right. And blah, blah. Yeah, no, it's it literally is exactly what you think it is. There was an ESPN with some number after it. Um, 
it was way down. It was way down the chart of uh, cable channels, satellite channels. And they were showing competitive marble racing. Oh, yeah. I've seen that on YouTube. I've seen that on YouTube. I have watched that on YouTube. It is, <laughs> people it is bet on People bet on the marbles. Well, yeah, that's the thing. I mean, that's that's the whole reason that it was televised. It was probably because there was a, you know, there was a betting program on it, you know, you can say. Here's. And also there was literally nothing else going on for a while at the start yeah. of the pandemic. Yeah. ESPN was really scraping the bottom of the barrel <laughs> at the beginning. That's when it really broke out. Yeah. All right. So who's ready for another quick game? Yeah. Let's nice. do it. Okay. So what I'm going to do is give you the name of a town or city, and you have to tell me if it is real or fictional. That is all. Real or fictional? Can I like give up now? My my geography is so <laughs> you have a fifty percent chance. Yeah, you have fifty fifty chance. I look forward to also participating in this game. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right there with you on the, right. this time, Mark. Uh, let's start with Carrington. Hit me. Okay. Your first town name is Ketchup Town. Ketchup Town, South Carolina. It's it's got to be real, right? It's got to be real. America must have yeah, real. America would totally do that, and you'd spell it your weird American way. Ketchup Town, South Carolina, is a real place. And I want to way go to there. go, America. And now I want I to go. I love there. ketchup. What, what's the weird way to spell ketchup? K a t s u m. Yeah, it's not c a t s u m. It's 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 spelled phonetically. K e t c h u p town, South Carolina. Ketchup town, Cats real place. Is yep. how it's spelled in some other places. Uh, Mark, how about Old Sandwich, Connecticut? That's got to be real. Sorry, it's fake. It's from the TV show Weeds. I'm on my Old way. Old Sandwich. <laughs> Old Sandwich. Ken, how about Pork Belly, Ontario? See, some of them are in Canada. Well, I find it questionable that you would assign this question to the vegetarian. <laughs> Random the chance. Pork Belly, Ontario. Real or fake? Real. That is fake. It's from the TV show Johnny Test. But that's not a real show. It's fine. It's it's fictionally None fictional. None of them are real shows. Two, two fakes don't make a real. That's not how this works. We're not Republicans. <laughs> I don't even know Johnny Test. I'm out of my depth in this one. Uh, it's an interesting cartoon show. It's... um. A pair of teenage girls, I think they're twins or sisters at least, um, come up with weird inventions and their little brother, Johnny, uh, tests them out. He's their crash test dummy, basically. So they get into all kinds of adventures because they invent all kinds of stuff and he's their guinea pig. Exactly. Cool. Earl, how about Candy Kitchen, New Mexico? That doesn't seem like a New Mexico town name. I'm going to go with fake. Sorry, that is also a real town. Wow. Oh, I would have thought fake on that for sure. Oh, yeah. Cat, uh, how about Lick Fork, West Virginia? Lick Fork. <laughs> you know what? I think that's real. That is, in fact, a real town in West Virginia. Because <laughs> that so sounds so West Virginia. <laughs> With 122 diners. <laughs> Speaking of... Uh, Carrington, how about Hot Coffee, Mississippi? Uh, Hot Coffee, Mississippi. 
Not just coffee, Mississippi. No. But specifically hot coffee, Mississippi. Hot coffee, Mississippi. Wait, is that based on like the Grand Theft Auto scandal? All that stuff happens. The Grand Theft Auto stuff all happens in like San Andreas, doesn't it? Or like out in California. I know I can't. About that big McDonald's lawsuit. Oh, the hot. Okay, I'm. I'm. Flip the coin. Flip the coin. I'm gonna say. I'm gonna say it's real. It's not just coffee. It's hot coffee in Mississippi. Hot coffee, Mississippi is a real place. (laughs) Of course it is. How about Sandwich, Illinois, Mark? That's got to be fake. Sandwich, Illinois is a real place. You say, y'all drive through Illinois, don't you? <laughs> Old Sandwich, Connecticut, however, is fake. Not all of it. Sandwich, Illinois <laughs> is real. As is Sandwich, Massachusetts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there are several. We, we go in a straight line and stay on the highway. Charles is going to just keep too. giving us sandwich ones, but different different states. Different right. states. Those, those can't both be true. You can't go in a straight line and stay on the highway. That's What's fair. the highway straight? I don't know. The high, 70 in Illinois is pretty straight. Ken, your guess on Starvation Lake, Michigan. I would expect that to be in Arizona or Nevada, but I'm going to go with real. Uh, I'm sorry. The town of Starvation Lake is fake. There is a book named Starvation Lake, and there is a real lake called Starvation Lake, but there is no town called Starvation Lake, Michigan. Oh, Ooh, fine distinction. Uh, Earl... Two eggs, Florida. Oh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry. Let me back up. Two egg, Florida. T W O, E G G. I want to say fake, so I'm going with real. Real, because it's Florida. Yes, yeah, that's like so Florida. Mm-hmm. The fact that it's not plural is triggering me. <laughs> Apologies to all our Florida listeners. They know everything is real in Florida. And cat, even Pokemon. <laughs> which you can catch in two eggs yes uh cat chug water wyoming oh gosh <laughs> it's pretty dry there like i could see that being real because i could see like hmm. settlers hey we're just, yeah we found water we're gonna i'll go with real that is in fact real uh so after two rounds carrington and cat each have two points Earl has one, and Mark and Ken have yet to get on the board. So that is the end of the uh, food-related town names. Uh, oh. Next up, we have uh, for Carrington, Satan's Kingdom, Vermont, where I was born. <laughs> if that's real, they have a real problem with people stealing the sign. <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> It doesn't sound like a Vermont thing. I feel like you're fooling me. That it's going to be, it's actually uh, like a different state. Vermont people wouldn't call it Satan's kingdom, would they? Or are you trying to fool me? It's America. So far I've answered true on all of them because it's America. So I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to say true. That is correct. It is a real place in Vermont called Satan's kingdom. Satan's kingdom. That's Uh, crazy, man. Yeah, I'll have to look it up. Um... On the other side, uh, Mark, Prey, Montana. Real or fake? Spell it. Uh, P-R-A-Y to go with Satan's kingdom. Oh, that's got to be real. <laughs> also real, yes. Yeah, Mark. Mark on the board. Woo-hoo. Um, Ken, how about Lucifer, New Mexico? Fake. 
That is indeed fake. It's from Married with Children. I'm on the board. Somehow ended up in Lucifer, New Mexico by driving uh, Route 666. So there you go. How about Rough and Ready, California, Earl? Interesting. Northern's so different than Southern. If it's real, it's, uh, wow, I don't know. Fake. Sorry, that is real. A real town in California. And Kat, how about Hell, Michigan? That's real. That was quick. Have you been to Hell? No, but when I was a kid, <laughs> we all knew about Hell, Michigan, because mm -hmm. we could say Hell. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I'm not cussing at the town. Yeah, exactly. Hell, Michigan. <laughs> Carrington. Difficult Tennessee. Real or fake? You're going to give me four in a row that are true. <laughs> random like, chance. Because it, it sounds true. At least at random, at least as far four? as the Google Sheets randomizer goes. Right. Difficult. Because maybe the game is actually easy and I should just be answering. Uh, you know what? True. Four for four. True. Correct. Try to psych me out. Difficult Tennessee, followed by Hazardville, Connecticut. Mark? That's got to be fake. Hazardville, Connecticut is a real place. Unrelated, Hazard County, Georgia, not okay. a real place. Yeah, not a real place. Where there were the Dukes. Dukes, yes. I was reading about that show every time that they jumped in the whatever. The, <laughs> the, the General Lee. 69 Dodge Charger. Yes, 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 yes. So the General Lee, they basically wrecked it. Oh, yeah. No, they went through like a million 69 Dodge Chargers. They went through Chargers. like three, oh, oh, literally over 300 yeah. cars. They like over destroyed the cars of, weekly to make that show. Yeah. That, that shows some dedication to. I mean, it's a 69 Dodge Charger. So like it's a great car. In my vague memory of that show, they would drive up to a thing and then cut and then they would show the General Lee jumping and it was always in my mind at least it was always the same two second shot in slow motion of the General Lee flying through the air am I wrong there? I, I think they used some stock footage but I don't think it was just the jumping it was like the the donuts and the turns and wrapping it or you know going through the trees like you can do a lot I mean they they did a lot of things to that car that you should not do to cars oh, I'm sure. you know, drove it through ravines, lakes and all kinds drive of stuff it through like buildings yeah but no I'm pretty sure that some of the jump footage was stock yeah because and like I said in my mind it's always I mean it's like Night Rider you know, whenever whenever Kit went to, you know, turbo boost and jump over something or what have you, it was always that same stock piece of... You know. uh, all right, so uh, Ken, uh, we already did Difficult Tennessee, uh, Hazardville, Connecticut. Uh, next up is Screamer, Alabama. <laughs> okay. Uh... Screamer, I don't even know her. I'm going to go with fake. I'm sorry, that is also a real place because Alabama. Yeah, I was going to say, America's got some weird town names. Fake. <laughs> uh, Earl, how about, how about Babylon, Texas? Well, that sounds like it could be a real place, but I'm always wrong. So I, I would ordinarily say fake, except by saying fake, 
that's what I've been doing is going the opposite. So I'm going to go Clearly, with Clearly, I cannot take the drink in front of you. <laughs> Speaking <laughs> exactly. of games, people play. Inconceivable. <laughs> uh, All right. What is, what is your final answer? Final answer is real. Real? I'm sorry. It is a fake Texas town <laughs> from the TV show Carnival. Can I buy a vowel? <laughs> All right. Last one for this round. Cat, uh, last one for this round. No name, Colorado. I'm pretty sure that's real. Also real. I think I've heard of that one too. Mm-hmm. No name, I Colorado. like weird place names. So like some of these I've actually heard of. Uh, just like with last time, we're going to do, um, what do you say, three points for a correct answer Ooh. for the next round. Ooh. Heavy pressure. Everybody? Yeah, everybody that's fine. There? Sure. Because right. these right. points really matter to us so much. Let's yes, do it. they yeah, do. Yeah, exactly. It's, everything's made up and the points don't matter. All right. So Carrington, Charming, California. Where I was actually born. California. Charming. I think Charming is a place, but would it be in California of all states? <laughs> Sounds more like a, like, a, like a Midwest type of place. I've heard of Charming, California. But is it real or but fake? I, but I, I, I think I've heard of it because it's fake. It's from a, but I'm going to say, you know what? You're not getting me five for five. I think it's fake. I'm going to say fake. Charming, California is a fake town from the TV show Sons of Anarchy. Oh, that's probably where I heard of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nice try. All right. Uh, so after Charming, how about Happiness, Arizona, Mark? Fake. Happiness is fake. Happiness is fake. <laughs> it's from an episode of Twilight Zone. Happiness, Arizona. Ken, how about Slick Poo? Idaho. Slick poo. Fake. Slick poo is real. I believe it is a Native American derivation. Slick poo. Earl, how about Ding Dong, Texas? Real. That is, in fact, real. Uh, Let's see here. And... Oh, one more for Cat. Yeah. Last but not least, PP Ohio. That I drive through Ohio too. <sighs> Fake. I'm sorry, that's real. That sounds that sounds like Ohio. Yeah, PP Ohio is a real place. Actually, if you had uh, read about it, uh, perhaps recently. Someone online did a uh, sort of jokingly uh, found a route from PP Ohio to uh, another place called Poo Poo. Uh, so <clears throat> he proposed a uh, a fundraiser uh, and rode his bike to raise money, I believe, for uh, MS research. Oh, that's so cool! Uh, the old from, highway one two. <laughs> yeah, from from PP to Poo Poo. All right. While I tally up the scores, it looks like Carrington. Oh, yeah, Carrington smoked us. Yeah, I rocked your game this time by saying true, 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 true. <laughs> I think he had a perfect score, didn't he? he I think didn't he did indeed mm-hmm. have a perfect score of seven for seven out of seven points. Yeah. Uh, Mark, Earl, and Cat each had four. And Ken bringing up the rear with one. 
one more here for the group. Hooterville. Hooterville, Kentucky. That's real. That's got to be real. Is it? No, isn't that? Or could it be like... From a movie. Yeah. Wait, wait, wait. No. Now I'm thinking like, I feel like I I saw a movie, but like when you said that, Carrington, I was like, wait. Right? Hooterville. 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 Not Hooverville. Hooterville. Hooterville Hooterville is like... Hoovervilles were like... Isn't that from Dr. Seuss? No, those were like shanty towns. That's Hooville. No, it's Hooville. like shanty towns. Old, old TV show. Andy Griffin's show, something like that. No, but that was, it was it's, it's like old black and white TV show was set in Hooterville. Or maybe, a, right? Oh, something that, like that sounds familiar. That's what I want, because my mom watches Andy Griffith all the time. That's why I'm wondering if that's where I heard it. Or Would that have been Petty, near it's, we, gotta, we gotta go Petty, with... Petticoat Junction. It's Petticoat Junction. We gotta go with fake. Right? It's fake. We're all, we're all, all of this is leading to, to fake. Yes, that is the town from Petticoat Junction. Okay, yeah. Yes. I, knew it I know my old they never did say They never did say what, what um, state it was in, but the best guess based on the, um, the clues from the, the show and context is that it's in Kentucky. Hooterville. Yeah, as soon as you said old black and white. The town from Andy Griffith is... Um, That's Mayberry. I, is Mayberry. Mayberry. And oh, it's, Mayberry. It's right. based on a town, a real town in North Carolina where there actually was a Floyd's Barber and there actually was uh, a Sheriff Andy or a Sheriff, you know, a deputy. They kind of lump all those shows together. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think they all take place in the same place. In fact, I was going to say Green Acres. Then I realized that probably is in Green Acres. <laughs> so it's not that. But I, I think of them all as all being in the same town. Well, you say that. I do say that. Well, and I stand by it. A lot of those shows are written and produced by the same people. And so yeah. they used a lot of the same sort of fake location names. Like uh, Beverly Hillbillies mentions, you know, going to Hooterville. And um, uh, yeah, so Petticoat Junction, Beverly Hillbillies. And what was the other one that you mentioned? It wasn't Andy uh, Griffith. It, it wasn't the Andy Griffith show. But there was another one that, at the same time that also um, mentioned going, you know, going to Hooterville or, you know, the cousins from Hooterville or whatever would come and visit that kind of thing. So. Yeah, and Beverly Hills, that's totally fake. There's no place like that. Yeah. Yeah. It can't be. I mean, have you seen the, you know, have you seen what they, pictures and stuff? I've actually been there and I'm still going with fake. (laughs) (laughs) Populated with plastic people. Yeah, exactly. All right. So um, that is two rounds of gaming down. Does anyone want to... Uh, discuss maybe a a game that they particularly don't like or didn't like. You know, maybe you bought a game and played it once and decided it was terrible and went back in the box and never got pulled out again. Whether it was, a, again, a computer game, console game, board game, don't waste your money on... I really thought about that one when I was filling out the form. Yeah, same. Then... That's what, I mean, I remember... Uh, a lot of their work, because I, what that made me think of was back in the you know early you know, the eighties nineties. There were so many horrible rushed to market licensed IP video games that mm-hmm. they put that publishers put out to cash in on. Like we had the Back to the Future NES game, and it is awful. Yeah, a lot of there were a lot of movie tie-ins. And it's well, obviously of- the obviously the canonical bad tie-in game is et yeah we had that i have a copy of that yeah i think that one i think that one specifically is in the hall of fame so yeah that's i was trying to think of something that was not et 
because like everybody knows about E.T., but like the Back to the Future game, it's it's you can tell there's like a gem of a good game, but it was just so rushed to market that it's mm-hmm. it was never play tested or balanced or anything. And I know a lot of games are like that. Mm-hmm. I think there's one example that um, well, it's not even one example. It's like every video game that I've ever seen based on Superman is terrible. Whether it was trying to be a movie tie-in or just happened to come along and, you know, they were licensing the IP for the, from the comic books or, you know, from the TV shows that came out. And, um, you know, it was just every, every one of the Superman games that I've ever seen was just bad. Did you play the original Atari 2600 one? I think I did in emulation where it's like he's, you know, he's just, flying along. All you, like, and all he you just do is fly. Flies. Yeah, that's like all you do. It's like, ooh. Ken has been suspiciously quiet. I think his internet connection maybe um, may no. have failed. He's not just quiet, try- he's suspiciously quiet. Yeah. I will try to answer. Okay, okay. Even though I had an Apple II, I, my introduction to role playing games was on the 8 bit Nintendo. So mm-hmm. playing Ultima 3 Exodus, uh, Wizardry, Proving Grounds of the Mad Overlord, Dragon Warrior, Final Fantasy. And then I thought I'd finally try an RPG for the Apple II, and I bought the Magic Candle. And computer RPGs played on a computer are significantly more complex than anything I had encountered before. And after trying to get into the Magic Candle for a couple of hours, I was literally in tears because I was so disappointed and so frustrated that I'd spent my money as a little kid on this game, and it was so hard. But I I kept at it, and once I deciphered it and was patient enough, it ended up being one of the best RPGs I've ever played. And I'm so glad I had that experience. I don't think it's Stockholm Syndrome. I think it actually is a great game. I was just so unaccustomed to that kind of game. So Uh, you mentioned games that we spent our money on. mm -hmm. Uh, There is a game that I didn't spend my money on. Uh, I, I may or may not have acquired a copy in some other way. But this particular game that you might have heard of is called Zork. Uh, Carrington, oh, yeah. I, I think no. you might have heard of it. You might Never. have occasionally bumped one. into these Infocom games. And I have to admit that to a certain extent, that game was a disappointment for me because it was Because you so, hadn't played Shogun yet. It was so <laughs> stinking hard. And the the maps that we drew were so complicated and it was the the first time coming into a text adventure and it just blew my mind i i could not solve it still to this day haven't solved it probably will never solve it without cheating and uh, but it had a lot of hype and definitely was launching an entire genre so i don't dismiss its importance at all but i'll just say that the game itself didn't meet my the, the expectations of the fun that I would have with it. And I think maybe for the same reason that Ken was just talking about, because it was just too stinking hard. Yeah, I think that's, I mean, back then there was a lot of, because you couldn't put much into an 8-bit game, they made it hard, so you felt like you got your money's worth. That was always, because I think, and I think I've pontificated at, at length about this on, on my live stream, but I really think that that's something they did back then. There's uh, there's another sort of phenomenon with um, arcade games from around that time, when arcades first started populating with fairly rudimentary games, they would get lots of 
they basically would get lots of quarters because people were learning how to play them. And then new games would come out, and then the players would have to learn the new game. And um, But the longer a game stayed in the arcade, the less money it would make, but it was still probably playing for as many hours. It's just that the players were getting really good and getting to... Whereas they would always stop at level three and they could never get past level three, they would get to level ten, or uh, they would always get the extra, you know, the extra life or the the free game or what have you. And so, as they moved along, there were not just more complicated games, but harder and harder games, so that they would, in essence, just be more intentionally frustrating to get players to have to spend more quarters to play for an hour. Whereas if they were really good at Pac-Man, because Pac-Man had been in the arcade for a year and they'd mastered it, they could play for an hour on one quarter, and the machine would basically be occupied for an hour but not make any money. I think the same kind of thing may have happened with, you know, like you're talking about with the 8-bit games where people were getting a little, you know, jaded by seeing, you know, the little sprites and this relatively simple colors and, and graphics and things and expecting to get more out of them and so to get more out of them the the developers made them harder and harder and more difficult to beat because you know if you played the you know if you played the game and it took you a week to beat it then you'd put it on the shelf or you know you'd tell your friends oh i already beat that one but if it was something like zork that took months and months if you were lucky but yeah i i know what you mean where there some of those games are just intentionally punishing because there's, you know, they can only fit 10 levels worth of content onto a disc sometimes. And so, you know, if you could blast through all 10 levels, then it wasn't, you know, worth your money. Will we get a chance to talk about games that we really love? Absolutely. Yes. Instead of us sitting here gushing about the things we do every single day of our lives. I just, you know, I'm trying to sort of bring in more different kinds of, different kinds of conversation. Sure. Earl, is there a game that you would like to mention that you absolutely love and what makes it great see the what makes it great that's just such an interesting question i know we've been trying to boil oh, yeah, down the is... essence of that <laughs> but it's tough to put your finger on honestly i'll talk we about the hard questions here on chicken missile <laughs> we do it's hard-hitting journalism uh, there are two games that i really love uh one is minecraft just love it to death and the other is elite dangerous which is a space exploration and mission game so I'll talk about Minecraft first. I think one of the things that I like about it is there's so many different directions you can go. There's a creative mode where you can try and make beautiful and impressive things or a survival mode where you're trying to not get killed while you're finding the resources that you need to go build the stuff that you want to build. Um, and so that uh, diversity of activity in the game is one of the things that I like. Plus, I just love the look and feel of it. The look and feel of it is probably one of the things I think that makes a good game is just, does it make you feel good? Does it bring you joy to put it up on your screen? And with Minecraft, that that is a definite yes. The other thing about Minecraft is that over the years, they've continued to update it. So uh, I have one Minecraft world where I'm just overpowered, nice. totally OP in that world. Uh, I, I look and I laugh at Endermen. They they walk up to me and I just smack them and they go away. Um, but going forward, I was like, okay, well, what do I do now? And then the Minecraft makers came out with what they call the village and pillage update. 
where they uh, enhanced the villages and came out with a whole new race of villagers that were kind of the evil villagers and they're fun. And so then I got Hero of the Village and, you know, figured out how to work around that one. They came out with another update, which is the underworld sort of new things that you can do. And I love that they keep the content fresh. But even if they didn't do that, there's still a hundred different directions you could go with that game. So I, I think the look and feel of it, the how many different things you can do, and the, the mechanics of the game are they're not too terribly difficult to master, which is probably why you have five-year-olds who love Minecraft and you have people of my age that love Minecraft. It's got a general age appeal. So a pretty narrow age range then. (laughs) I can't wait to, I can't wait to introduce my nephew to Minecraft. Are you super excited about the cave update for 117? Oh, I hadn't heard about that yet. Oh yeah, no, 117. They're doing snapshots of 117 right now and it's they're updating caves and caving and bedrock is going to be at negative 64 instead of zero and there's going to be like geode caves. It looks really cool. Nice. I'll have to try that. You see what I mean though? They they keep the content fresh on that so there's always some new adventure. The other one, I guess, is a little bit more uh, niche in a way, although there's still lots of things you can do with it. It's Elite Dangerous it is actually an extension of the elite that was way back from the 8-bit days. I was going to ask. Yeah, it is. I've, I've seen people, that, that's a big stream game. You know, when I was a kid, I was growing up during the space program, and we had Star Trek, and I thought, hey, by the time I get to be an adult, we're going to be out, we're going to be, you know, exploring space, we're going to have faster than light travel, yada, yada, yada. And here are these many decades later, and we're not even scratching the surface on that. And that's kind of a disappointment, but you get something like Elite Dangerous and you have a gaming, uh, you know, almost like a consolation prize with that because you can go explore all these places in the Milky Way. And if you're the first to explore it, you even get your name put on it in the Elite Universe, which is kind of fun. And there's different kinds of planets and different kinds of activities. If you want, you can be a pirate or you could be someone who shuttles people around for money, or you could go mining asteroids, or you could be an explorer, which is kind of my, that's my jam, is that I I like to go places that other people haven't gone before, to coin a phrase that sounds familiar for some reason. And the graphics are really good. So, but I guess that, that kind of appeals to a, a niche interest for me, space exploration, whereas Minecraft is just more general, just fun and, and nice, pretty up on the screen. Have you checked out Kerbal Space Program? I haven't checked out any of the other space exploration like No Man's Sky or the Kerbal Program or Star Citizen. My son loves Star Citizen. That That's the one he's really into at the moment. But I'm just having so much fun with Elite at the moment that I, I don't need to jump off and do any other things. Yeah, maybe I should uh, fire up Elite and um, go looking for you know Earl's World. Well, you'll find it under... The, the pilot named Coriolis Altair. So if you see that out there, you, you'll know um, that's some world that I stuck my footprints in. Well, actually, you can't get out and put your footprints yet. That's coming in the next update that they call <laughs> Odyssey. But you can run around in a, um, like a little rover that they call an SRV. And I'm death on those things. I've told my family, if we ever go out to space for real, don't loan me your <laughs> rover because uh, <laughs> it will come back banged up. 
I like games that have a social aspect to them. So Destiny, the Destiny franchise is my jam right now and has been for a long time. They just, especially, they just dropped new content this week. But like Earl said, the look and feel of the game is beautiful. Bungie does a phenomenal job with their their sky, like the sound design is top notch. The skyboxes and the graphics are amazing. The gunplay, it's a looter shooter. The gunplay feels really good. You know, you have a lot of options, but mostly what I play I, like Desi for is the social interaction. I belong to a clan. You know, at time of recording, I where it's like, hey, we're going to try to get a raid together tonight, which is one of the six player uh, end game activities. But it's just, you know, it's it's this it's the interaction that I like. And it was the same thing with, you know, I loved having board game nights at, at you know, when, you know, when I lived in a house that was big enough that was to, to do that <laughs> because no, but like. The social interaction that you have over a magic, a game of magic or a game of settlers or a game of, you know, you know, whatever. That's what I'm in it for. The gameplay for me is a lot of times secondary to what's going on around the friends that, you know, I'm with the, the you know, the, the things, the stupid things that we're saying in Settlers of Catan. <laughs> So that's what I look for in a game is how kind of all my favorite games seem to have something interactive, but yet destiny is where, where it's at right now for me. Um, As far as the social aspect of it, I mean, going back to going back to the, the before the before times, and it sounds like, you know, um, like a regular poker night, you know, the guys would get together in poker night Mm -hmm. or go out bowling and yeah. We used to have, because we had the big, when I lived in Pittsburgh, we had a nice big, we, we literally bought a, a dining room table specifically because it would be a good, it wasn't because it was a good dining room table, it was because it would be a good table to play board games at. Did you cover it with felt? and? We had a felt and... cover for it, yes. Yeah. Cool. cool. Nice. It was just so it was a square table from IKEA, so and we liked it because it was square instead of rectangular. So you could put two people on a side, or you could like you could fit a lot of people around it. And it was big enough. Like I know they played Warhammer Quest on it, uh, some miniatures games. You know, we could we had plenty of space to spread out for like Settlers or t- Ticket to Ride or I can't the robot laser game, or we could like have like two different games going on either side. Like literally, the house we bought was that my my uh, then partner and I bought was we bought it. We liked it because it had an open floor plan, so you could have we could put a card table in the living room, and then other people could be playing a game over there, and we'd have you know interaction between multiple groups. So that's you know gaming for me has always been about you know even from when I learned to play D anD D in college, it was it's always been about social socialization and the social aspect. It's funny I have a very similar experience that most of my favorite games are playing with other people whether they're board games I mean the fun of a tabletop game mostly is playing with my friends or land gaming when I was younger or online gaming with people but it's still the case that most of my favorite video games are the walking simulator stuff where it's just me in an empty universe ideally and I just hang out says Carrington the minimalist in an almost empty white room yes but also but if it's puzzles fine like mist the appeal of mist back in the day and the original Apple um, Portal game and modern things like Firewatch and Gone Home and the Stanley Parable and all that. Like, I just like kind of me just quietly wandering in a place and those become my my favorite games. So I think I like the, if it's a social game, I want it to be super social. I want to play with my friends. I love it. But otherwise, I'm also okay with a game that just kind of lets me relax in a weird place. 
Firewatch is right up there as one of my favorite games, along with Life is Strange and other games that nowadays mm. really focus on narrative and story. Right now I'm playing Arcade Spirits. I'm not oh. usually individual novels, but this it's game is set a in a classic game. arcade, and the writing is hilarious. I've heard really good things about that, but I haven't played it Yeah, it's it supposed to be such a good game. I have not heard of it. I will have go. What is it called? Arcade Spirits? Mm-hmm. You got it. Okay. I'll have to look it up. If, if you bought the uh, Racial Justice Itch.io bundle last year, which had like a thousand games in it. Oh, is it in that it? bundle? Yep. Excellent, because I but, have that bundle. But it's available for everything. PS4, Switch, etc. PC also, or just console? <laughs> everything but PC. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. The Itch.io <laughs> bundle was Mac, Windows, and Linux. The Itch.io bundle is on, what's on, I have it on my Mac. Right. I've got the bundle as well. So it turns out I've got this game. Cool. I've got this game. I'm going to have to play it. Who knew? I have so many more games than I could ever possibly play. Oh, yeah. No. The backlog is ridiculous. I recently bought uh, Nox Archaeist again, twice, in two different <laughs> online things because I just want to support the game. I'm like, yeah, give it to me on GOG. Give it to me on Steam. Excellent. Still haven't played it, but I'm going to. I'm still waiting for my big box. You totally should play it. Yeah, I've been just waiting for my big box. I want the the box. I want the physical one. I'm gonna play. I that. didn't order. The, I didn't. I could. I didn't have the scratch for the box. Single tier. Ooh, Mark. Yeah, that's that's the Mark stuff. Mark has still his. In, yeah, still in shriek wrap. Yeah, I opened. I opened mine up and I was like, you know, giddy. Uh, and I was showing my kids, and it's like, this is how a computer game used to arrive. It used to have like, you know, box art and like a box and, uh, and I was opening Stop. it up and it's like oh it's oh it's a cloth map and the, oh and it's got the little coin and it's like all the feelies and things and I, I think I used the word feelies and my kids were like huh? <laughs> do you mean the feels like it got you in the feels no 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 these are feelies like things you can feel things you can feel I'm almost certainly just going to play it digitally but I want to have the stuff around me I guess going for the full nostalgic because why it's why cat i can't watch a stream he wanted to watch a stream but i don't want spoilers <laughs> the last game that i spent money on was untitled goose game <laughs> but that's such a good game mm-hmm. it was a great honk. game honk honk i haven't heard of it can you describe it <laughs> no <laughs> it is a beautiful day in the village and you are a horrible goose that is all you need to know about Untitled you, Goose You're game. a goose who has a set of, uh, literally a list of horrible things to do to people who live in this village. And ultimately you have to steal a bell and take it back to your secret hideout. And along the way you get to annoy a whole range of people and do a lot of horrible things. And it is fantastic. There are like actual sections of the game, but that like each have their own list of things you have to get done. But you know, once you get them done, you can uh, it, it opens up uh, new areas uh, and also gives you additional list items. So it's partly it, it's not like an open open world in the sense that you can just do whatever you want, like Grand Theft Auto or whatever. But it's it's a semi-structured, uh, semi-open place to just do horrible things and figure out how to do them. Like it's, it, I mean, it's an open world in the sense that, like, you're just this character and there are just these things, and uh, you have to go. Like, it's not like Space Invaders, where like there's only 
two ways you can move, you know, and, and only one way you can shoot. Um, anyway, no, you, you, I'm sure you can go find videos or even just watch a trailer on it. It, it came out like a year ago. I'm imagining cartoony kind of graphics. It, oh, it is. It was, yes, yes, very much. But but also very good um, custom-made uh, piano music that sort of uh, has like a leitmotif Ooh. where a, as you get into certain types of situations, you'll hear some of the same refrains going on. It's it's very well done. Uh, it's, it's an independent game uh, picked up by uh, uh, Panic, who's an independent game developer and publisher and it was it's for several platforms by now and is is just generally excellent i I don't i don't play it anymore in terms of things that i play daily uh sadly i still play wordscapes daily and i'm i'm i don't i don't want to talk about that except that it's the perfect game and i hate it (laughs) and and all the things that make it good are, are bad for me. Uh, if you haven't played Wordscapes, it's um, sort of like a Scrabble sort of thing. It's word, word-based puzzles, um, like crossword puzzles, simplified crossword puzzles. And each level takes like maybe a couple of minutes, five minutes to play. But once you sort of get into it and realize that, oh, this is, uh, okay, I can I can make these words and I can do this with the... Um, uh, the letters and uh, and then you blink and two hours have passed and you've played 400 levels and suddenly you're you're thinking about spending real money to get hints for this seven letter word and I can't figure out what I'm, word it is. I'm happy I'm happy to announce that after like two and a half years of playing this every day I have not spent any money except for the initial purchase to remove the ads. Yeah, that's that's the meta game that I play with all of my mobile games. They they may think that in order to be able to win, I have to spend you know three ninety nine every month or whatever, but no, I'm just that good. <laughs> yeah, mobile games like that are I I, I played I still have have Wordscapes and a few other games like that on my phone. I do not recommend I I like I cannot in good conscience recommend that anyone start playing Wordscapes. <laughs> but here we are. The other thing that I play not daily but probably weekly is Minecraft. I do have a world that I've been building uh, previously with my children, although they've basically grown out of it by now, where I play on peaceful mode, peaceful survival mode. So no mobs, but uh, still limited uh, resources and things. And so it just sort of turns into, uh, like Carrington was saying, which is sort of a peaceful, open world, walking around thing. Um where I very rarely die unless I'm just being completely stupid and idiotic and I'm horribly overpowered and over, you know, whatever, everything. I have lots of everything. And I have, you know, 17 different bases that I've built over literally years uh, that all have a a railroad system that goes between them and just, you know, whatever. Like, so for, in 2020, I sort of centered around one particular new base and I'm now sort of maybe thinking about uh, building a railroad to a few hundred clicks away where I can build another base and start exploring from there. And anyway, and, and like uh, someone else was saying, Earl was saying, uh, they just, they keep adding new you know, biomes and new, well, I care less about the mobs, but uh, new 
just things. Like it's just, it's not the same game that it was when I started. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, you know, when, when I started, there was a mobile version that, that couldn't even do like infinite worlds. Like it could only do worlds of a, a very small size and you could literally explore the entire world. And then that was it. Like you, you, you've mined all of the diamonds in this world. That's it. There, there are no more diamonds. Um, and obviously it's not that anymore. They, they've put a lot of uh, development into, you know, unifying the platforms and having cross-platform play. And uh, at one point, Microsoft bought it, and they've surprisingly not really fucked it up that badly, as far as I'm concerned. Anyway, so it just, it continues to be a a retreat, a a place where I can go and do a thing that I know I'm good at, uh, that is not terribly difficult, that is um, uh, interesting randomly, but at a fairly consistent randomness, I will run into something interesting and I'll be like, Ooh, that's interesting. Ooh, that's, and you know, whatever, stupid pixels, who cares? But you know, it's, it, I take pride in the things that I build. I occasionally, not as much as my kids used to, but I occasionally go onto YouTube and look on, you know, how to go build this thing with redstone or how to, which is basically programming like circuits, Mm -hmm. um, which ironically I'm bad at and and my sons are better at it than I am. But, (laughs) um, and, or, you know, just some interesting architectural thing that they, you know, they used weird materials to go build this thing. And I'm like, Ooh, I'm going to go build that except that I'm in survival, which means that I have to go figure out how to get like 17 blocks of this weird sponge, you know, so that I, it can look exactly right. And then I can bring it across three biomes and uh, plant it in my base and it will look perfect. It just, you know, whatever. Like, that's fine. I'm not hurting anybody. Uh, it's not costing me any money, except, you know, to recharge my phone at the end of playing for two hours. Yeah, sounds sounds almost like, like you were, like Carrington, you were saying the walking simulator is more like a meditative kind of break. It really is like, it's not like I'm not playing. I have never gone. I've never been to the end city. I've never beat the, the, the dragon. I generally, as I said, I generally play in peaceful mode, although we have occasionally gone into, uh, you know, turn mobs back on in the same world just to play for, you know, a day or whatever. Um, but, uh, then I'll go turn them back off, you know, anyway, I just, that, that's just how I, how I play and that's fine. It's, it's set up to let me do that. This is a safe space, Mark. <laughs> no one is judging you. No, it isn't. No, I and still yes, I love are. Minecraft. I, I want to give a shout out to the game I'm most looking forward to playing in 2021. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Which is Horizon Forbidden West. Coming out for PlayStation 4 and 5. It's the sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, which is a post-post-apocalyptic story. Uh, so post-post-apocalyptic is where the world has been screwed up for so long that it's all anybody knows. Mm. And in this world, uh, people live in tribal units. They hunt with bows and arrows. And any mammal besides humans that's bigger than like a fox, like there, there are deer out there, there are mountain lions, etc. But anything bigger than a fox is actually a robot. It's not organic. And they're like, this is all people have ever known. And so half the world out there is mechanical. 
Sometimes they come across these grown over collapsed skyscrapers from thousands of years ago. And they talk about the ancient ones, but there's no record of why things are this way. And over the course of the game, you find out what happened all those millennia ago. My favorite part of the game was I was uh, exploring a new area and it looked familiar. And I thought, why would an area I've never been to in this game look familiar to me? And I slowed down and I started looking around and I realized I was in Red Rocks Amphitheater in Colorado. (laughs) And that's when I started realizing everywhere in the game was a real place. And I started tracing my steps and realizing where I'd been this whole time. Interesting. And it was just amazing. It's an amazing game. I'm very much looking forward to the sequel. So Zero Dawn leads to Zero West, you said? The first game is Horizon Zero Dawn, and the sequel is Horizon Forbidden West. Forbidden West. Okay. Because now they're moving from Colorado to California. Hmm. I see. Anybody want to bring up anything else that they particularly love or uh, are looking forward to? Mark shaking his head. <laughs> There is literally nothing I'm looking forward to this year. Okay. Except getting vaccinated. Yes. That's, that's a hell of a game. Seriously. Yeah, that's, I mean, that is a game in and of itself, mm-hmm. let me tell you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, it's one of those alternate reality games. <laughs> it's easier to get a PS5. Yeah, Very be. similar process, too. Keep mm-hmm. all the tabs open until yeah. midnight, keep refreshing. Yeah, that's exactly what I had to do. Even as a as a frontline worker who can get it in my area, I had to, it was, the website was loaded on, was bookmarked on every device I own, and I was refreshing it every five minutes. Any other closing thoughts on games and gaming? Nothing here, except this has made me want to go uh, play some of those games we talked about. Yeah, the problem I have with a lot of these suggestions and recommendations is that I don't have a whole lot of time. Yeah, you've got work obligations and kid obligations, and it's just a... Well, it used to be a game that would offer me 200 hours of gameplay for its 50 bucks was mm-hmm. an advantage. Now a game that says, look, this is going to be a great seven hours. Oh, well, take my money. That's, gr- yeah. that's all mm-hmm. I have to offer you. Yeah. Yeah, all that IRL stuff that we got to worry about. Mm-hmm. Well, that's what... Yeah, I'm about to log into Destiny after we get done here, and I'm just like... A new season just started, but I'm already seeing people who are at, like, season rank. A new season started on Tuesday. I'm at, like, season rank 7, but there's already, like, yeah, I'm at season rank 75. I'm like, how? (laughs) Because the only way to do it is to grind experience points. How? Like, do you have a life? No, I have uh, have an account with this um, uh, click farm, and... uh... Well, I I have a question. Mm -hmm. Uh, Since we're talking about backlogs, does anybody else, like keep track of their backlogs so that they know what to play and what they own. Like I just dropped a link to my Trello board. No, because that would be like the most depressing spreadsheet for me to look at <laughs> ever because it's, you have spent this much money on stuff that you haven't touched. I find it useful. Like if I hear about a game that's coming out and it might not be out for years, especially like if it's a Kickstarter funded thing, I'm going to forget about it. So I throw it on my Trello board as a game I want to buy someday. And with the goal that it'll move from not purchased purchased but not played to now playing to either finished or abandoned and i like to see that progress like oh i need to move some games out of my playing column before i start another new game the game within the games yeah, you're w- way too organized yeah right <laughs> well, one of my twitter followers suggested i might have more time for games if i spent less time documenting them <laughs> <laughs>
yeah, if you if you spend more time documenting the process than doing the process, then you are a productivity expert. I was going to say, choose your next words carefully. <laughs> <laughs> uh, to wrap things up with our scores for the evening or afternoon or whatever time it is in your time zone, uh, the scores for today, uh, Carrington, way out ahead with 14 points. Go Canada. Yeah. Cat with nine. Woo! Earl pulling in third place with six points. Woo! And Ken and Mark in a tie for five points. I'd like to thank Paul for not being here. <laughs> so I a chance to win. <laughs> it is time for me to say uh, thanks to the genial and gregarious gentlepersons. Cat, Carrington, Earl, Ken, and Mark. Thanks for podcasting with me once again and keeping me from losing my mind, screaming uselessly into the void. I apologize to our Australian listeners. You know.